We take you now to a board game already in progress. Woody is trying to determine his next move. Okay, let's see here. If I place my meeple there, I'm going to get resources that I really need. But then if I don't place my meeple there, then I'm going to lose out on the things that I need. I, I got to place my meeple there. That's the only choice. Yeah, keep thinking. Keep thinking. You're not suffering from analysis paralysis. Everyone's not waiting for you to take their turn. No, I mean, I'm, 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 I haven't been holding on that long. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm making a good decision. That's all. Nobody's really thinking that about me. Are He's you speaking. sure you're making He's... a good decision? I'm, I, I you was. Are, you are doing fine. Take your time. Make the best decision that you can. You know what you're doing. Okay, I got this. Meeple. Do it. Down in the woods. Right are you here. sure about that? No, oh, maybe I'll take that back. I, I really need wood because if I don't get wood, I'm not going to be able to make. Uh... No, I need steel for the factories. So think about it. What is the most logical thing that you can do? What What can you do that's going to get you the most resources? Well, is it I think the steel, steel, or is it the logs? I, I, I believe steel, steel is the best choice. The steel or the logs? Yeah, you steel. Oh, man. Why is this so hard? However, there's also that card you were looking at last turn, and I'm pretty sure I saw Dave eyeing it. Oh, damn it. Damn it. That's right. That's right. Don't get distracted. If he gets that card, he's going to... I believe water is the best resource. Don't get distracted by what other people are doing. you got to make the best choice for you. You were. I think you were on the right track with the resources. You just have to look at the resources and think... Which ones are going to serve me the best? Look at your cards. What resources do you need most? Steel. Steel. I, I, I don't want to do that. That that's that's a terrible idea. I'm not Steel. stealing. I'm I'm gonna be a, an ethical player. Maybe I should just like take this fake turn and just kind of like I'll wait till the next turn. No, don't throw your. They're all waiting on me. Hold on. Tick tock. No, tick tock. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath, Woody. Steel. You have time. Think okay. about what you need to do. Don't don't just give up your turn. Okay. Water. Hey, I'm getting Will, the logs. I think I'm Will's giving. I'm getting the logs. I'm Will's giving me side eye. I think Will's giving me side eye. I think he's getting impatient. There, I'll take the logs. Good job, Woody. No. Good job. Yeah, you great job. Unfortunately, you need brick before you can finish the building. Didn't notice that, did you? Oh, and there goes Ginger taking brick. Well, crap. Please, just because Ginger took the brick does not mean that everything is wrong is is lost. You have a different op- option. You don't have to do the same thing that she is. Water. There are lots of ways to win this game. Welcome to Rolling for Change. Today we're talking about self-esteem and gaming. And as our our little play shows, there's a lot going on when we're playing games. Um, you know, I, I can't say that those were the voices that are in my head on a regular basis, but there are voices in my head, and I imagine there are voices in other people's heads. Speaking of voices in your head, 
Welcome, Susie. Hello. Hello, and welcome, Brian. Hello, and I am a voice in his head. Far too often. And welcome, Ginger. Hello. And the other voice we heard was Brandon, who was only here for the sketch. But, uh, hey, guys, we're, today we're going to talk about self-esteem in gaming. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons this comes up for me is that there are moments, I'll, I'll call them stress moments, because there are moments that I play a game and I'm not stressed at all. There's no tension whatsoever in the game and I'm enjoying myself and there's no issues. I don't want anybody to think that I every game that I play has some kind of stress level to it. But there are games that are really intense games. It's usually the ones that require a lot of thought in the first place. They put me in that place of having an almost analysis paralysis moment. And I hear those voices in my head. I hear the spontaneous voice which says, no, just do that. Just finish it up. Let's move on. And I hear the voice that says, oh, if you do that, you're going to be stupid. People are going to look at you like you're stupid. You're the, you're the least smart person at the table. And then once in a while, I might hear the voice of reason, which is don't pay any attention to any of those voices because you've got this. You know, that, that voice that Susie was playing to kind of help to hold a logical baseline ground for the experience. But I can tell you that in some really intense games that I've played, games that I've played with people that were, in my mind, I've kind of projected them as above me in cognitive functioning, which, you know, we all rate people. Um, those moments are really challenging for me. And I, I thought I'd throw it open just to kind of talk about examples of those situations before we get into what's actually going on in this particular situation. So anyone have any examples or any anything they want to contribute there? Oh, um, this lack of self-confidence happens with me all the time. Um, last time I was over here, we played... Uh, yeah, Nefertiti. Nefertiti, it's one of, yes. It's one of my favorite games. But I saw Susie and I saw Ginger taking away, running away with things. And I thought, maybe halfway through the game, there is no way I win this. I hope to come in at least a close second. And that's my typical manner of thinking whenever I play a game. I just want to come in a close second or third. I just want to have a respectable loss. Mm-hmm. I didn't get one in Nefertiti, but I wanted one. You won Istanbul. Yes, I you did. Commandingly won. so, sir. Considering I didn't understand a darn thing going into that game. <laughs> you so did very well. How often, Brian, is it that it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy? Or do you think it happens that way? Um, you've played games with me before. It happens that way. I start <laughs> off every single game thinking, okay, I got this. And I start playing and I see everybody else making these fantastic moves and getting stuff upon stuff upon stuff. And I'm like, I'm barely scraping by here. It's like everybody else is working um, as a CEO and I'm still flipping burgers at McDonald's over here. Not that there's anything really wrong. Example. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I guarantee you, you're not going to make as much money as somebody who's a CEO. I think that was the roles were reversed on Istanbul for this then, because you, I, when you finished, I only had two rubies. Two. Oh, I was I was in the zone on that game. You I found a strat. I found zone. a strategy and said, oh, I know how this works. Suddenly, yeah. the light went on and I won. Yeah. And, and when know. that light goes on, that's when the 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 self talk moves from a position of being like this critical voice to this more positive, upbeat, like, 
you you know what you're doing. You you feel like you're in that zone, that kind of comfort area happens where you're like, oh, oh, I got this. I, I I just made a better move than everybody else at the table. I got this. I will say I got two two rubies away from winning, and immediately my first thought whenever I got that next whenever I got that ruby that made me two away, my first thought was. And this is where Susie or Ginger just start racking up rubies and pass me and win. And sure enough, Ginger yeah. took a move yep. that postponed my winning the game three turns instead of two. And she got her la- her next to last ruby and I was screwed. I thought, okay, this is how she wins. And then I realized she's not close to getting that last ruby. I'm going to have it in three more turns. Come on, Ginger. Just be slow for three freaking turns. <laughs> I was nowhere close to that that last one. So, Ginger, do you have examples of when you're, that, that voice is going on in your head that sort of contributes to you feeling a loss of confidence in the game? Oh, yes. You, do, you definitely have that. I have that feeling of, of I'm so lost, I don't understand. And my thing is, is when somebody's explaining the rules, I feel like I hear, like on Char- um, um, Charlie Brown. Charlie Peanuts. Brown. Wah, 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 meeple. Yes, yes. <laughs> Resource. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, and I have to watch people... Um, take their turns and see where the best the best optimal move is and a lot of times i will watch the um, person that has played the game before Mm -hmm. and see how their strategy starts out and sometimes i'll i'll follow that because of i'm i'm not as in as in um the rules because of my dysnomia Mm-hmm. It, it's harder for me to grasp everything they're saying all at once. It just comes at all at me at once. And sometimes my brain just says, nope, we're not going to do it. Maybe for those listeners who don't know what dysnomia is, because it's actually not a not as common as maybe dyslexia. Maybe you could explain it to them. Dysnomia is a word and association um, um Disorder. Disorder, and it's it's in the dyslexia family. Dyslexia is where you have trouble reading words and making sense of them. Dysnomia yes. is where you have trouble speaking and hearing words. It's part of part of. She's also tone deaf, so she can't really understand, you know, singing or playing music because she doesn't hear the differences in tones very well. She can hear just fine. It's just her brain doesn't process them properly, which means whenever she's saying words, she says a word that sounds very similar to that, but is not that. And she has trouble. um, She has basically extreme tip of the tongue syndrome. She knows which word she wants, but she can't think of what the actual word is. She has a concept of the, the concept of the word, but she doesn't know the precise word which is why I'm explaining dysnomia because <laughs> it's typically difficult for her to explain to people. And, and I'd be willing to bet that the more pressure you put on somebody to explain it or the more pressure that you're under, that the more likely it is to sort of act up more. 
Yes. If it if it pops into her head to explain it to someone, she kind of pre-thinks about how she's going to explain it. But if she's put on the spot like now, she struggles with it. So she and I, it may seem rude to outsiders that I kind of jumped in and started explaining, but she and I have a way of silent communication where I can tell that she's silently asking me for a little help. I just look at him. And he knows <laughs> to jump in. <laughs> and I'm an yes, English so. teacher, so words are kind of my thing. Right. So you're the voice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and it makes sense. It makes sense because, uh, it, you know, if you're, if you're seeing somebody struggling and you want to help, so th- that makes sense. But it, it also helps to kind of, I'm sure that, Ginger, I'm sure that this plays into your own self-talk process that's going on while you're playing games. Yes. And for all my life, I've had very low self-esteem because when someone you're having a verbal conversation with somebody and if they're not relaying exactly the communication and words to have a complete conversation, they kind of overlook you and think you're not quite that smart. It is also her superpower in board games. People who don't know her very well underestimate her. And then she absolutely, utterly decimates them. Yep. And within a couple of games, they stop thinking that she's not that intelligent. <laughs> they start realizing she's totally brilliant and she will destroy you and tear your soul out in a game <laughs> and do it in the nicest way possible. She's so I mean, I've had my face rubbed on the floor by her a few times. Yeah. But she's so sweet about it. You can't be mad at her. <laughs> Yeah, there's a reason that the words damn it, Ginger, are are legend in our gaming group. She was the original damn it sister, yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Susie, what about you? What's what's your self talk like when you're playing games? Is there do you do you have surges of confidence? Do you have surges of low confidence? What happens? Well both. Um I <laughs> I've always had a very competitive streak and the way that I keep that under control because I don't like that part of myself is that I I, I kind of try and focus on my own game and and not get caught up in in whether I'm beating somebody but uh, as you know buddy it, it comes out sometimes and sure. so but the when I start when the, the bad self-talk comes into it is when I think I'm not playing right if I don't think I'm playing up to my best it doesn't I go into a lot of games knowing that I'm going to lose, and that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that if I lose, and I lose badly, and I lose badly because I played badly, that's what pisses me off, and that's what makes me feel bad, and I start feeling like I'm not a good player. Um, And it's happened a couple of times where it's just, you know, maybe it's the first time I've played a game, and, you know, I'm playing that game with people who know the game and are either part of the Dammit Sister trio or quadruple. I don't know. There's so many of them now. It's a gang now. It is a gang. <laughs> the Dammit Sister gang. You guys it need is, to get some leather jackets. I'm not <laughs> Damn kidding it, you. sisters. So, so I, there was the, a game that was at our house that was uh, a trio of, of really, really smart, brilliant women who I love playing games with. And the four of us were playing this game. And I'd never played it before. And I'd wanted, I was really excited to play this game because I'd heard about it. And they loved it. And so they were teaching it, and I could tell at the very beginning of the game, I was like, ooh, I am not 
I'm not getting this one as well as I should, but let's just jump in and see how it goes. And I didn't really get how to play the game until halfway through. And by that time, it was way too late for me to even get anywhere near the, you know. So I finished a very distant fourth. And it actually left a bad taste for the game in my mouth because I was just so frustrated and upset with myself that I hadn't played better. Um, so it took a, playing it again and doing much better because now I understood it to, for me to go, okay, all right, now I like this game. <laughs> so. so it sounds like there's a couple of dynamics going on there. One is that you are competing against your own self ide- mm-hmm. idea of self, basically. Like yep. You have this idea of yourself as being someone who's going to, you're going to get it, you're going to win, you're going to understand the dynamics, and you're going to get in there, and you're going to be a competitor. Right. And the other side of this is that you are hearing... It's as if you are mind reading other people, although you may not be. You're just kind of putting these ideas out there as if this person here is thinking of this of me, this person here is mm-hmm. thinking of this of me, and I'm not actually li- living up to their expectations right. of me. Whereas I know all three of the other women are just focusing on their own game, trying to figure out how to win for themselves, probably having their own doubts and, and you know stressors and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I don't really... <laughs> haven't really spared a thought to my game you know what i mean but right it doesn't matter it, when you're in the middle of it all you just feel like you're an idiot and that everybody else is better and that they can tell that you suck <laughs> yeah the spotlight comes on you are you are on stage and it doesn't matter whether or not they're on stage also right you're on stage alone and you're in your underwear mm-hmm. so uh <laughs> you're up there trying to entertain and you're failing Dramatically. Miserably, miserably, yes. Yeah. See, the whole the whole nightmare of being in your underwear doesn't bother me that much. I figure that's more their cross to bear than mine. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I just told our contractor today that if he's coming tomorrow, he'd better message me. Otherwise, I don't wear pants if no one's coming over. So he just has to deal with what he sees if he doesn't let me know. <laughs> Yeah, my my nightmare is not that I'm naked or, or in my underwear. It's that I am performing on my clarinet, and I don't have the damn sheet music, and I don't remember the song. And I oh, have to yeah. get up on stage and try and play from memory this song that I cannot remember. That. Yeah, you just need you just need to be that guy who does. Uh, who's you know decides to scat during Menomina. Right. You're going to be up there with your instrument going. But but that's not what happens <laughs> in that nightmare. <laughs> Stage fright. Yeah. Now yeah. I can tell you that one of the reasons I, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but one of my most hated games is Seven Wonders. <laughs> and yes. And this this particular issue plays into it. So. I'm playing the game. The game seems to deal with a lot of knowing a lot of information about the people on the side of me as well as my own information, trying to pick what it is they're picking and not like trying to know what they're picking and not pick it myself. And so there's this sense that I've got to play on so many different levels and most people are thinking, well, this is very simple. I'm just going to go for this. And I'm sitting here thinking, What's the right thing to go for? It's really hard to know what's the right thing to go for. And what does that symbol mean? And how many times am I going to ask this question to these poor people again? Do I place this here or do I place this here? It, it just, it, it plagues me. That, that one plagued me so much that I had to say, no, I'm not going to try it again. I tried it twice. That was enough. 
I wasn't able to deal with the own my own internal self-talk during that game, so much so that I said, I'm done. I can't play this game anymore. It's part of the reason why I have trouble playing Petrichor. I do not grok that game. My mm-hmm. brain will not accept it. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's part of what's going on. So, so the, the, what's going on is what we call in psychology and in therapy, we call it self-talk. And self-talk, there are voices in our head that sort of mitigate what's going on in, around us. And we can all say that we've had conversations with ourselves. We've gone into situations where we're like, okay, if I put this here, then that's going to happen there. And sometimes without the critical voice and sometimes with the critical voice. But we're always talking to ourselves. There's always an audience of many inside our head. And a lot of, uh, a lot of psychodynamic psychologies kind of deal with it from the point of view of that there's the id, the ego, and the superego, where the id is the I want. I've got to have it right now, what Brian calls the inner Veruca. Yes. And uh, then there's the ego, which is what I want as, you know, it's all about me, me, me. I'm going to take care of myself. And then there's the superego, which is kind of chiding, uh, upper parent kind of position that, that's kind of saying, uh-uh-uh, that's a really bad idea. What are they all going to think of you? They're all going to laugh at you. That kind of stuff, that, that's, normal. that's normal for people because what happens is we take in the voices in our lives and we take it in as if it's real. So I, I've said this before in therapies to clients and I, I try to make it a point. You don't come into the world doubting yourself. You don't come in the world uh, chiding yourself for doing bad things. You don't even, there's no self-critical analysis going on. You know, whether or not I get the ring or I don't get the ring, whether or not I chew on the side of the crib or I don't, there's no, there's no intermittent mitigating voice until someone outside of me starts mitigating that voice by saying, ah, 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 you shouldn't do that. And then that sticks with me. And depending on how my self-concept turns out in my life, it can be, ah, 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 don't do that because that's the right thing to do. Or it can be, ah, 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 don't do that because you're a bad child. And so these voices, it, it may not make sense, but these voices grow up with us. They carry us forward and they show up to me. One of the reasons that Rolling for Change exists, they show up on the game room table all the time. And I'm, I'm lucky if I have people that I trust and people that I can play with that I feel like, you know, no matter what I'm thinking about myself, they don't think it about me. And then I can relax into it. I can kind of listen to my inner rational voice and play forward and be okay. But other times there's all these shadow voices that get in the way of my success and get in the way of my joy in the game. And it happens more often with people that I really look up to. And um, another facet of whenever you're a child first learning that inner voice is the first few times you really screw up and realize you screwed up. That first time you take a penny and stick it in a light socket, that'll teach you. That first time, like I did whenever I was little, you climb over from the back seat of the car to the front seat of the car while mom's taking the groceries in, you kick the gear shift, and the car goes rolling down the hill into a fence. Meanwhile, you're three years old, sitting behind the steering wheel going, I don't know what I'm doing here, I'm gonna die. (laughs) And then that thought comes into your head, wow, that was stupid. And that thought stays with you for a long time. So are there games that do this more than others? Because I'm wondering, I get that there are dynamics that we have as people because we're all stuck with our own inner demons. 
are there games that cause it to happen more often for you guys? Yeah, for me, it typically ends up being either games that just have systems I don't get, but that's one thing. It's the games that seem simple, but aren't. Like the first time I played Go, okay, I, I was reading this on Board Game Geek earlier. Someone said, you know you're out of your depth when you can't even tell that the game is over. <laughs> that was me my first time I played that stinking game. I felt like, I mean, that game was over. I asked the guy, how long is this game going to take? He said, oh, about 30, 45 minutes. No, 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 no. 15, 20. 15 to 20. <laughs> he just destroyed me. He's like, you, you want to try that again? I was like, oh, no, I would not. <laughs> you mean it's over? <laughs> yeah. Chess, uh, chess is the same way. It's those, it's those games that are simple, but take years to really master simple to learn difficult to to master years to master those are the games that really get me because you get you get really confident because you're like i get these rules right away and then you realize i get the rules how it functions i know how to make the machine go but i don't know how to drive it okay i know you put it in gear i know you press the gas i know you press the brake and that's how I hit the tree, Your Honor. <laughs> Mine is um, like a, a sometimes deck builder, but more so like um, Concordia. Because um, when I'm playing with Susie and another person, I get, you know that um, on your left? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as she laps me <laughs> on your left. <laughs> I always know I'm not going to win, but I have a great time playing it. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you another one of yours, and you can talk about this one. Our, another friend of ours brings these out every time we go, we go to his house. They're trivia and word games. Yes. Oh, as, soon yeah. as, as soon as he pulls one of those out, Ginger says, oh, God, why does he do this every time we come over? And I've tried to explain I can't do it. I can't do trivia because trivia is on the spot. You have to, I mean, you're timed. You're, you're on as, as you know, you feel like the spotlight is on you Yeah. and, and it just, it never fails. I cannot say anything. I can probably think, um, imagine the word in my head or imagine the picture, but I can't say it. And, and he, sometimes it's hard for him to understand that. I can't do those games. And so I just avoid them. I just avoid them. And I think it's best just to avoid them. But um, I try my best. On the plus side, his spouse is really good at them. And his spouse usually says, Ginger, why don't we be on a team? And he basically helps her get through it by, you know, puzzling. Doing the heavy lifting. Doing the heavy lifting, also puzzling things out with her and saying things aloud to help you know, get her to bring the right words out. Um, so th- that's really good that she has at least that support. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's helpful because, you know, there, there are one of the challenges is, so I'm going to say no to this particular game and everybody's going to feel like I have spoiled the party. Yes. That voice is always there. Like, like you're the only one um, not wanting to play this game. Yeah, and how yep. dare you not want to play this game? Because we all want to play this game, and you should be one of us. 
I get that every time with Hanabi. Every time. <laughs> I tell you. So is it real or is it imagined? Yes. Oh, it's both. <laughs> no, Brian's right. It's both. I mean, there there is some of it that's imagined. But I tell you, I know very well that I get judged by certain people for not for not wanting to play Hanabi and wanting because I, I and it's just like Brian with Petrichor. I just don't get it. I cannot. Right. It it does not make sense to me. It just doesn't. And and I know I know for a fact that there are people that think less of me for the fact that I cannot get that game. And it is what it is. I mean, I'm not going to apologize for it, but but it makes me run screaming from the room if they if it if it gets brought out because I'm like, oh god, no. <laughs> I don't need to have my stupidity thrown in my face. But sometimes Hanabi, they have to have their special language or something like that for that. But even even when you don't podcast, have you? (laughs) Even even when you don't, you've got people that are are just learning Hanabi. They pick it up in two seconds, and I'm still and I've played the game like four or five times, and I'm still like, I don't know, I don't get it, I just don't know. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I just am gonna give up now. And I don't I, like to give up on games, but I gave up on that game. I am exactly the same way with Teach You. Holy oh, me too. God, oh, I hate too. that game. Oh, I can't handle that game either. I'm secretly judging you both right now. I know you are, Winnie, because I know you <laughs> love Teach You. I'm very, I, I do like both games. Actually, I don't grok Teach You very well, and and I don't know why I keep going back to it, because I know that my impression of everyone at the table is, you're really messing this up really badly because there's just there's a couple of cards in there that I just don't get. I just don't grok them. And I keep putting myself in harm's way because I'm like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. I love tricky trick taking games. I'm going to get this. But I always feel like the people that I'm with are like, why doesn't Woody get it? What is wrong with him? Yeah, the one time I, I played it and I actually won, I have to tell you, it was all about my partner. Because it was not because of me. Let me just say that. It was definitely about my partner. That is not a trick-taking game. That is a game for obsessives. And I'm an obsessive-compulsive, but I'm talking about obsessive about this game. You are never going to get good at this unless you play it a lot. Over and over and over again. That's the the, way Halabi is for me, too. You have to play it over and over and over. Yeah, and the friends of ours who play those two games play them all the time. There is no chance of doing anything useful with that game with them. Well, I'm not going to sing the praises of either game, except to say that our perceptions of games, whatever the game is, probably most of it comes from our own self-doubt. Yep. I'm willing to take agree. that on on uh, Seven Wonders, and, and I think that that's true for a lot of games that we play. And it, but it just doesn't mesh with us. And as players, as friends, as people in the community... We should try to be accepting of the limits that other people set. And if we can present that in such a way as to not seem condescending, as to not seem like we're being um, manipulative, then maybe it'll make those people who do have those self-talk extravaganzas going on feel a little more comfortable because we're... I don't know if, I don't know if every gamer deals with this. This is an interesting question to ask to all gamers. But I know that I deal with it, and a lot of times <laughs> what Rolling for Change is based on is my own personal experience, and I'm hoping and praying that I'm not the only one. So it's it's good to hear that other people are having these experiences. Um, but there's so many dynamics that take place in causing us to doubt ourselves 
and I'll bet I'm not the only one here on the podcast right now who can say that I've walked out of game room feeling just completely defeated, ego ego lost, and just like I'm the worst person in the world. Yep. Yep. Um, this one time, I think I was, I think I told you guys about this the other day. I was playing uh, Battlestar Galactica at, at one of the cons. I think it was um, one of the one of the Atlanta Game Fests. Yeah. And I was, I was sleepy. I was um, having a depressive fit, but I had committed to this game and I went and played and my brain was discombobulated and I made some really boneheaded moves. And one of the players in the game made a point after the game of pointing out exactly how boneheaded the moves I was making. And I walked away from that table feeling like, wow, as much as I thought I was being judged, I was being judged worse than I thought. Right, because not only is the voice in your head, now you've got an external voice echoing your internal voice, and it just feels like the worst. Yeah. Everybody's piling on. Yeah, and, you know, whenever you have that internal voice, you can sometimes argue with it and say, no, people aren't thinking that. But then someone actually verbally says the thing you're already thinking. And you're like, oh, people really do think this about me. And, of course, you extrapolate that into every other game you play that day. You know, Brian, if you just thought about it, if you just thought about it, you would have made a different choice. Of course. (laughs) If my brain worked, I would have made a better choice. And there's another internal thing that goes on also, because if those people bring out those games that we don't like, and and, and we've convinced ourselves that these people are our friends, and it's important to self-sacrifice for friends, because we've all got this idea we should self-sacrifice... I'll play this game, and I'll do my best, but I know it's all going to go down. It's all going to be terrible. But I want these guys to all think that I'm down with them for whatever they want to play. Oh, I don't care. I just refuse. <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't hit you at all? No, because everybody who plays Hanabi or Tichu knows that I don't like those games, and they don't ask me anymore because I won't play them. I, I do that. that. I do that sometimes whenever we're at a game gathering with maybe six to 10 people, there are only two tables going on and they're neither one of the two games I really want to play. And I know I'm not going to enjoy it. Yeah. But the majority want to play those two games and I could either, you know, be a party pooper and go sit on the couch and do nothing and make them all be self-conscious or I could just suck it up and play a game I don't want to play. Yeah, so there's that level of self-sacrifice that goes on just because we don't really, we don't establish our boundaries. And then sometimes when we do establish the boundaries and say, I don't want to play that, some people are good at accepting that. And some people are just like, well, I don't understand why you don't want to play that. I think I remember telling someone at, at a game convention that I don't play games with Roman theme. I don't know why I don't like Roman theme. And it's it's really not true anymore. But at the time, it was, there was like just a whole host of of Roman-themed games that I didn't like, and it just hit me wrong. And I couldn't explain that boundary to anybody. I always felt bad for backing out of something. Um, Actually, Concordia had that place in my life for a while because it was just like, no, I'm not going to play that. That's, that's, no, that's not for me. Yeah, it made me sad. (laughs) But see, that's that's the place where we've got to let each other have our own boundaries for games. But I did. I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't make you ever play it. I then I, I tried not to make you feel bad about it. I, I just accepted it, and it was actually funny because it ended up bonding Brandy and I because Chad doesn't like it either. <laughs> so, so our, so she and I are the Concordia widows. 
<laughs> yeah. So this is uh, what we're talking about uh, when we talk about self-talk. This is a cognitive behavioral therapy concept. This idea that these voices go on and we have to mitigate these voices. And we ha- sometimes have to mitigate these voices in a way that help us to see that rational side. So, you know, in, in the in the sketch there, Susie was the rational side for me. And she was telling me to take it calm, be careful, make a good de- you're making a good decision. You just got to be careful. And, you know, it, it's it's the more rational voice. But we get caught in these what we call limited thinking patterns, where we think something is true, and because we think it's true, we take it as real. You know, like like the idea that um, if I make this move, I've lost the entire game. That's kind of a, a game catastrophization going on. So this move, on this very move, on this very moment, hangs the balance of whether or not I can win or lose this game. That's such a terrible feeling to have, but it comes to us. That's one of the major common sort of self-limiting languages that happens in our head. And and there's a list of them. I, I could go through a whole bunch. There's mind reading, which you try to look at other people and you try to decide what they're thinking about. And thinking that you're true about what you're getting, you internalize it. So they're all laughing at me. That's That's when you're looking out in your mind reading. There's minimizing something where you don't make a big deal of something that's really important. And there's maximizing something where you make a bi- make a small deal of something that's that's really important, you know. It, you're not getting the true reality, and then there's personalization. Like if I do something, it must say something about me, or if they do something this way, it must say something about me. If they take my resources like that, knowing that I want those resources, I must be a bad guy because they wouldn't do that to me if I wasn't a bad guy. All these voices get caught up in us while we're playing games, and, and I guess the the purpose of this episode was to to normalize it to say that we're all going through this we're all having this experience of self-talk and we want to learn how to mitigate it in a way that's healthy for all of us yeah i really do have an internal voice that literally says sentences i mean i don't hear them it's not like i think it's a separate person you know but the most insidious ones though are the ones that say nothing like whenever i'm playing a game if you guys notice, I typically make my moves pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's because subconsciously, I know I'm probably going to lose the game anyway. So I may as well lose and not have everybody waiting for analysis paralysis while I figure out my best way to lose. <laughs> I do that. If I if I see that a move is too complex for me and I can't weigh out the decisions that I need to make, knowing that analysis paralysis exists knowing my own experience with watching other people in analysis paralysis and how badly I want them to get over it quickly because I'm in anticipation of turn, um, I'll make a boneheaded move, or, or maybe I won't even call it boneheaded because, number one, that's not my nomenclature, but also, number two, it, it's just a spontaneous move. It's just like, well, if all roads seem like they lead to oblivion, let me just take this road to oblivion. <laughs> a, a, sub, a suboptimal move. Exactly, exactly. I've um, gotten to where sometimes I make mistakes and I'm not as uh, positive about things. I'll get kind of cranky about it. And there's <laughs> one one game I will not play anymore because I was not my finest moment. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Power Grid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did not behave very well. <laughs> Well, Power Grid is kind of a low-key take that game, too. 
It is. But when they take all the resources, it was not my finest. And cut you off and block you in a corner so you can't expand. Yeah. And I was a little mm, cranky and verbal about it. And I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be playing this game. (laughs) (laughs) Which breaks my heart because I love Power Grid. I'll play it at home. And a controlled vi- environment. So you'll you'll play with people that you you firmly trust and believe in, but you in, won't take the chances with a, a stranger or someone that you're less acquainted with. Well, if I play the game in a controlled environment, I know if I behave badly, I will be told to behave. <laughs> <laughs> you have an so, external right, Brian? Brian for that. No, I have an out outsourcer. <laughs> yes. Pretty much, yes. I just look over and nudge her and say, Ginger, chill. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than Ginger. You're making an ass of yourself. But yeah. <laughs> I would never say that because that would be amping things up. Oh, that yeah, would no, be no. amping things that up, would, yeah. That's poking the bear. I do not <laughs> yeah. want to die like that. <laughs> Everybody dies. Nobody needs to die by having those kinds of things done to their body that she would do had I said something like that to her. It's true. True, true. The one that holds the life insurance policy. <laughs> so what have you guys done, besides besides refusing a game or besides just saying, I'm not going to play that game anymore, what have you guys done to mitigate this and bring yourself back to a stable point of view within the game to help you? I mean, because if we, if we go to a convention, we're playing for three or four days in a row um, almost consistent play. I mean, you might take some time out for yourself to kind of do some self-care kind of thing because if you go through a lot of these voices, you can need that self-care moment. But have you guys identified anything that you can do within game that helps you stabilize yourself? Hmm. A lot of the time, if I just... If I resign myself to the fact that I'm going to lose, I mean, if I honestly see that there's no way for me to win... And I start getting really down on myself. I look around and see what other people are doing. And at the very least, and it sounds like kind of a jerk move, but I can at least play spoiler. And if I can play spoiler, I can make sure that they don't get too far ahead of me. So I look like a complete putz. So you you play in more of a way to block others from success rather than focusing on your own success. Yeah, and not in a jerk way. There are some people who do that and actively try to attack people. Sure. You know, being a jerk about it. I just try to make moves that, while they may not be optimal for me because there's nothing optimal for me right now, however, I do see that it's kind of the optimal thing for you, so I'm going to do it. Okay. But I I don't really rub it in people's faces. I just do the thing and I hear someone go, oh man, I wanted that. And in my brain I go, I yes, know. Did. <laughs> <laughs> I will try to end the game quickly. Yeah? How do you mm-hmm. do that? Well, if you can end the game by so many points and stuff, even though some there's some games that if, even if you end the game, you won't win. Yeah. And if you can kind of proceed the game a little bit faster... That helps sometimes. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was playing, um, oh God, what was the name of that game? Um, Turn in Taxes on um, oh, yeah. on Yukata the other day. 
and I was so far behind. And I knew all I needed to do was maybe 10, 15 more turns, and maybe I could get some bonus points and jump ahead. Mm-hmm. But I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it. I was not going to be able to have time. But you can end the game by connecting seven cities and getting that last you know, bonus. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to be enough to put me over the edge, but I was just so sick of playing this game. Um, Because it was just an uphill climb the whole way. So I just went ahead and connected seven cities and didn't care if I collected any bonus points. I just connected seven cities and said, yes, complete route. And game's over. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I generally, when I'm really, you know, I can tell that it's it's really affecting me. I generally will get up and I'll excuse myself to go to the bathroom or get a drink of water or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that it take a tiny little break away from it all and take some deep breaths and, and, and just kind of try and shake it out of my head and then come back with a, a better attitude. So it's a regroup moment. Yeah, yeah. And what is there? Is is there like a a pep talk that you give yourself in that process? Uh, I think it's more about just reminding myself that the whole point of board games is to be spending quality time with friends and enjoying yourself with friends, and that's the focus. The winning is a sweet thing. It's like the, the, the icing on the cake kind of thing, but it's not the main reason I play games. I don't play the games because I want to win. I play games to spend time with my friends. So I remind my I, I just remind myself of that, that that's the reason I'm doing this and um, and I enjoy the challenge. And so focus on the challenge and um, how much better I could do with just a little bit of time I've got left. Knowing I'm not going to win, and that's okay. So, it's the whole Stuart Smalley. The worst thing, though, is whenever you, it's whenever you have that knowledge that you're not enjoying the game, and you also don't like the people you're playing with. Yeah, that's a problem. Oh my god, that's a tough situation. Yeah. So there are these challenge situations that we get faced with, and and you know the the one you just talked about, Brian, is is one of the worst. That's it's one of the hardest to get out of, and so. There's a, there's an embedded sense, like, and by embedded I mean like you can kind of embody the moment and say, yes, I'm really feeling what I'm feeling. And if you can somehow break yourself into two pieces where you separate yourself from that part of yourself that's that's really just having a terrible time, and you start to look at it as an experiment, you might be able to get something good out of it, even though it's a challenging situation. You know, especially when you're playing with people you don't know. And you're playing a game you don't like, or people that you don't like, and a game you don't like, or people you've discovered you don't like, and you're in a game you don't like, and you're still kind of following the the gamer code of ethics, which is I'm not going to ban the game because I'm not a complete douchebag. Um, th- there's a moment where you can kind of say, okay, given that I'm in this situation, what's the best way I could come out of this challenge, knowing that I'm not going to win and I'm not going to have a good time? How can I? How can I make that to my advantage? That's a really kind of strange thing to say, but I think there's a way to do it. If you can get out of the ego and into a space of looking at things from an objective point of view. Like obviously as a therapist, I I often say, well, how can I deal with this really challenging situation and still sit here and be totally balanced and totally okay, even though this, this child or this person is cussing me out, this child or this person is completely inflexible, unwilling to follow direction, unwilling to listen to anything I have to say. 
You know, that's a that's hopefully not a board game. That's a therapy situation. But it, you know, those moments can be moments for practice of our own kind of balancing system. Um, there was a great, I don't know if you guys ever read the, the books by Carlos Castaneda. Nope. No. Well, I'm not going to try to tell the whole story of Carlos Castaneda, but basically Carlos is, he's a, um, an apprentice to a Yaki sorcerer. Um, and, uh, one of the things that he taught them that kind of stuck with me about this was that there are petty tyrants in the world. And a petty tyrant is meant to test your ability to handle challenging situations. And the better you handle those challenging situations, the better you come out overall as a person because you're you're not letting the ego get beat down. Instead, you're kind of taking a step back. But that's a hard thing to do, to have that take-a-breath moment, that personal pep talk kind of thing. That, that can be challenging, and I think that gets in the way of a lot of things. One of the best things I heard from somebody about this, um, he told me that what he does is he, instead of focusing on how he's going to lose, he just says, okay, I'm going to take this particular strategy that I've been using to the nth degree to see what happens as a result. So I've been doing this. It's getting me this result. I'm just going to follow this result to its end to see what happens, to see if I'm right, because as far as I can tell, this person, at least in this moment, is able to kind of mitigate that self-critical voice and find a way to get outside of it. That's the challenge for all of us, I think. Yeah, I try to find where my strategy has gone off the rails and see if I can salvage something out of it. But I also sometimes uh, reach out to my support system, my lovely wife, and I will text her um, maybe an animated GIF or just a text saying, help me, shoot me, I want this game to end, even if she's sitting in the game with me. <laughs> and we're able to commiserate a little bit and support each other, say, I'm not enjoying it either. No, I really like this game. Awesome, you can take my turns too, okay? No, stick it out, fine. <laughs> Like you said, Woody, sometimes it's best to find the positive in, in the game. Um, my one of my strategy, my sh struggles, is like when we're at Dice Tower Con, and um, somebody will have um, players want uh, players wanted and teachers wanted, and yeah. I'll come by and I'll teach the game, and I had to learn the lesson hard way on this one. You don't want to beat somebody into the ground just because you taught them the game. So when you basically when you start out playing the game like seasons and <laughs> <laughs> and you you don't want to go full 100% aggressive you just want to be able to you know make sure they know the rules and everything and so I will throttle back not you know let them win mm -hmm. I will not go God forbid I will not go 100% because I learned the hard way on this one sure. and and then you watch and, and realize they 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 know they grok the game. Yeah. Then they start pulling way ahead of you. Then I'm like, then I go full aggressive too. Yeah. Then you're struggling to keep up. Then I'm struggling to keep up, and then I'm I'm frustrated at myself for not going full aggressive. But 
it's never been a positive outcome for me to teach the game to people that have never learned the game, that's never, never played the game before, and then go full aggressive. It's not a positive thing. What I usually do in that situation, and I did the same thing with my children as I do with most people I'm trying to teach a game, if they seem to be missing um, specific opportunities or missing that I have a specific opportunity that they can stop, or if they make a certain decision, I'm going to take advantage of it. I'll point that out and say, understand, if you do that, this is what's going to happen. Hey, you did that to Ginger the other night mm-hmm. with Nefertiti. Yep. <laughs> I, well, I didn't do that to Ginger. I did that for you guys no, to you hit did. Ginger off. That's right. It was awesome. She still won. She yeah, still there won. Was a little bit of I see her running away with the game. I want you guys to help me gang up on her. It well, wasn't. It wasn't gang up on her. It's no. guys. You're igno- you're not noticing this. You're not seeing this. Yeah. 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 You need to see this. Well, because it was our first time playing the game, and so there's well, just Woody's a second time, but yeah. Oh, okay. So my first time. So I, I wasn't quite aware of all of that. So it was it was helpful. I know Ginger was not happy about it, but at no. the same time, but it was helpful to, to as a reminder that um that I do need to pay attention to what other people are doing in this game, this specific game because it um it, it does matter because it's set collection. So if they're running away with one type of 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 set, that's a problem. So yeah. part of it is a take that of I'm blocking you by taking some of this. And so. I realized that my wife, my lovely wife, was succumbing to the thing that she said she struggles with. We had just taught this new game and she was laying waste. So <laughs> I, had, I had to mitigate that somewhat. She still won. Just oh, yeah. you guys had a respectable margin as opposed to on your left. <laughs> no, no, that's true. She only beat me by three points. I was very excited. Right, because I pointed that out. That is had true. I not, had, had she gotten the entire set, there is, there is no way. Right. Any of us would have been within ten to twenty-five points of her. That is true. So, for those people who haven't played Nefertiti, this is a auction-based game that uh, it it does require a lot of thinking, and I can, I can say. There's, there's two things that kind of come up when you guys talk about Nefertiti, because we did just play that uh, maybe two nights ago. Um, first off, it, don't go into it already stressed out. <laughs> and, and that's probably true for almost every game out there. You know, there, I'm, I'm the biggest proponent of gaming as a self-care mechanism, but there are times when a game won't do it, and maybe you're not going to find it there. But the other piece of this is that um, when there is a complex game like that or a game that... There, there's something about that game that was just particularly thinky to me. And, and maybe it's just a matter of... I'm good at looking at... like I can play those games that are solitaire games where it's like we're all playing solitaire together. Like Sagrada is a good example. There's very little interaction between the players except that we're just kind of having you know bar talk while we're playing this game. But... In those kind of situations, there's less of that because now I'm just playing against myself. It's in situations where my moves affect other people's. Other people affect my moves. And it's not take that necessarily, although there is an but aspect it of it where it's like, haha, I got what you wanted. And there is actually some take that in Nefertiti. Oh, there totally um, is. Because there's a card that you can play that forces other people to do things. And I, I think it's just a nasty or card. To, but I, or... I did use it because when you need strategy, you need strategy. Um, 
but those kind of situations don't lend themselves to I mean, those are the kind of situations you have to kind of wake yourself up and say, okay, I have to take care of myself in this moment right here. What I find that mitigates the um, the nastiness of those cards is you don't actually punish the people who you play the cards on. Everybody discards that card, but they get to score them at the current value. So you're not just screwing them over. You're giving them points. Just making just sure not, you're going to get more on the next right. time they're cashed out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And even the one where you steal a card from someone, if that card is more valuable than the card you're giving them, you have to swap. You can't just steal. You have to pay them money for the difference. And yeah, if you that, can't was afford, still, that yeah. still made me mad. <laughs> well, that's because we didn't do it right. True. True, true. Because I didn't, I didn't realize you guys were basing it on current value as opposed to maximum value, which makes the game a whole lot different. Yeah, I, I imagine so. And, and getting the rules wrong can also kind of head you in the wrong direction in a game and kind of ruin your experience. Yes, that is true. Yeah, because in my case, it was the lack of self-confidence of, ah, oh, crap, I thought I explained that rule. Did I explain that rule? Probably not. Oh, yeah. Second guessing yourself can be yeah. terrible. Yeah. And when you're teaching a game and, and you forget something, um, that's always a self-esteem hit because, you know, you want to make sure that the people that you're teaching it to have the best possible experience. And so when you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you about that. It's you like, see oh, the, the, the sad, depressed looks, on the, the, the disappointed looks on their face and you're like, oh. Yeah, there's the internal voice. What is wrong with you? Why did you not tell them that? You're a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There is a feeling of that, yes. Yeah. There's that feeling that some things could be a multiple batch of causes that may or may not have to do with me, but this one was specifically my screw up. I did this. And I want the person (laughs) and I want the person to like the game I'm teaching them. So, you know, and 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 my my screw up could potentially give them a negative impression of the game. So that always makes me sad. So there's there's a few things that uh, I do to mitigate that. And uh, some of this is just basic therapeutic talk. So um, I don't know that I always use it. You know, I can give very good advice. I'm, I'm Alice in Wonderland. I give I give myself very good advice. I very seldom follow it. Um, but so one thing is that when you are in a situation where you think you're reading the table, you think you're hearing all these critical thoughts is to be able to do what's called a reality check. And the reality check is when you ask yourself, what's the proof that this is really true? And is this something that I am making up or is this something that is substantially real and true? You know, and, and the problem with board games, I guess, is the fact that we have a scoring marker that says, yes, you, you are definitely failing this game. Um, but also, we still have to kind of question that value. Where, are they really laughing at me? How, what's the real proof that they're laughing at me? And this can go two directions. You can be so focused on the belief that this is true that you create what's called a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. in which any move that somebody else makes serves to reinforce your already bad thinking problem in the first place. So if I do this, he's going to do that, and he's going to take off with the game. Uh, and then you do this anyway because you're like, well, I, there's just moments where you're, you're creating the possibility for it to happen. You know, it, it's superstitious thinking. It, it's the same thing as like, um, and I have some of this, it's the same thing as like 
don't pick up a penny off the floor that's on tails because you'll have <laughs> bad luck. But then what happens is, so I pick up the penny off the floor with, with tails, and my focus now is what bad is going to happen to me. So the question mm. I've asked myself, the question I've asked the world is, what's the next bad thing? And the way our brain works, we'll find that answer very quickly and very easily. Well, this failed to happen. I forgot to do this. You know, you can list off a litany of possibilities. The same thing with the penny on, on, on heads. All these good things are happening to me, but it's just because I've stopped paying attention to the bad things or I've stopped paying attention to the good things because my focus is narrow. I'm focused on what I believe I should be focused on, and I'm looking for things to reinforce my focus. So you got to mitigate all this with some rational thinking stuff where you're kind of like questioning whether or not your apprehension of reality is the true apprehension of reality. The next piece is just being mindful. So Susie said taking some deep breaths. There couldn't be anything more important when you're in a stressful moment, whether it's a board game, a traffic situation, um, waiting on a phone call from a realtor. There couldn't be anything more important. God, get out of my head, man. Get out of my head. There couldn't be anything more important than taking some deep breaths and trying to find some self-centering in a moment. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about bells of mindfulness. And, and what he basically says is that if you can identify something that is um, in, re in the outside, in the external reality, that will remind you to take a deep breath, then identify that something, and when that something happens, take a deep breath. So I can even imagine in a board game that a bell of mindfulness can be any time that somebody passes me up on the board. I'm going to take a deep breath in. I'm going to take a deep breath out. And I'm going to try to just be mindful for a moment. Because the stress that comes up when we are doing this negative self-talk to ourselves it can have such detrimental effects that we don't we don't operate at prime. We're suboptimal, as Brian was saying. So those things we have to look out for. The last thing is that since we know that there are these suboptimal voices that happen, we can fake it till we make it. I don't know if you guys have ever done this in gaming, but you can continue to say good things about yourself even if you don't believe them until you get to the point that you believe them. Some people call it uh, empowerment phrases. Some people call it affirmations. Whatever you call it, it's just a way of self-programming because we are such that if we say something over and over and over and over again to ourselves, we will eventually catch ourselves hanging on it at one point or another where we suddenly kind of defined it a little bit, so we're moving more in the positive direction. It's not easy, but in study after study, and I didn't bring these studies with me because there were just so many studies that showed this, if you have a negative opinion of yourself going into a goal-oriented thing, you will make less results on that goal-oriented thing than you will if you have positive associated voices. I will say... Um... I was going to say that my train of thought just derailed. <laughs> um, sometimes um, I've heard very negative people call that same thing self-brainwashing. 
and they found it very distasteful. Okay. And I have yet to figure out how to address that. But there's some negative people who say, yeah, I just keep saying positive affirmation. Just brainwash yourself. That's healthy. I'm like, whoa, I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, it's terrifying that you think of it that way. Okay. <laughs> I guess it depends on how you address reality. If reality is something that is solid and stuck out there and it exists like it's noumenal, meaning that there's nothing you can do about it. It's like rock is rock and house is house, you know, or, or whatever. Then, yeah, that, that sounds like ridiculous thinking. Like you're not going to make house turn into rock or rock turn into house. That's true to some extent. But, it, you know, I, I can't speak to those people that think that that's self-brainwashing. All I can speak to is that if a basketball player visualizes making that three-point shot over and over and over again, then in significant results in those studies, that basketball player makes more goals than they would if they have self-talk that is mitigating it as, I'm never going to make this, I'm never going to make this. So it may be that you're self-brainwashing, but results are what matters here. And, and maybe that's the only way to talk about it. Number one, are you happy? And number two, are you getting results? If both of those two caveats are sort of met, then it really doesn't matter what person X thinks about your technique. And if person X doesn't want to use your technique, that's fine as long as you're still happy and you're still getting results. Sounds very positive to me. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm not sure how to... So, not with gaming, but... I mean, you know, we're trying, we're in the process of trying to buy a house and I've, I've been very stressed out about it. And, and so part of what I've been trying to do today is just be positive and just continue to say those mantras to myself of, you know, um, that this is, I, I don't know how to put it, but to put that positivity into the universe, um, sure. you know, to, to pray to God, however you want to put it, um, to put that, this is the house that I, I want and, 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 you know, not necessarily that I deserve, but that, you know, this is my house and this is, this is supposed to be, this is destined to be kind of thing. And, and, and put that positivity out into the world as a way of helping myself to, to, continue to de-stress. And so, you know, I do it and take deep breaths and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's helping immensely, but it, it, it makes me feel better than, than just giving into an anxiety, you know, a panic attack or something. Yeah. Because so. that, that, inner, that negative inner voice is saying, but what if, but what if, but what if, and that's, that's the challenge right there. The shoulds, the coulds, the woulds, the what ifs, you know, um, So what we're talking about is catastrophic thinking. And the, the catastrophic thinking can get us into a really bad space in which um, we, are, are, we are, again, self, self-prophesying what's going to happen. It's, it's self-fulfilling. Um, I see this with parents. You know, Again, I'm getting back to the therapy thing here. If I've got a parent who they are certain their child is the seed of the devil, 
they're only recognizing the bad things that their child does. So it doesn't matter that the child has moved from four times a week destroying the table to only three times a week destroying the table. They can't see that because they're so focused on this as a bad child. And so that catastrophic thinking gets in the way of all these things, and that that's what we're trying to mitigate, you know? That's what we're trying to deal with in the, in the process. And I think that... I don't know if we can if we can change our internal voice in those moments. You know, you're not sometimes you're in flow and you're not able to stop the internal flow. But if you can have those moments where you kind of somehow find yourself above the water and you see that you were a fish and you were in water and now you're not in water, if you can do that, then maybe something different can happen. Yeah, you can flop back in the water. Well, yes, but you can flop back in the water aware that there's a distinction between there and here. So as long as your fishy memory lasts. <laughs> Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Exactly. That's that's such an important piece from, from Dory. Just keep swimming. It, it, that's, that's a really important mantra for all of us, I think. We've been talking about this in terms of... of you know, kind of our inner experience of of board games, and we've kind of identified some situations in which um, self-talk is more likely to happen. It seems to happen in more complex games. It happens when we're around people that we feel are more cognitively blessed than us or people who get it better than us, or it happens in situations where we're beating ourselves up because I should understand that. There's something wrong with me. And there may be specific games, even like there may be particular games, Twilight Imperium, things of that nature that may sort of bring that up in yourself because you're causing a situation of of self-doubt and self-examination. What I wonder now, are there games that have helped to strengthen your self-esteem and self-confidence, and how have they done that? Yeah, that happens with me a lot. Um, the most therapeutic games in my entire life have been role-playing games. Okay. Um, how so? I have in the past created characters that are my opposite people who are very confident people who are, um, who get themselves in trouble by being overconfident. Sometimes, um, people who just are brimming with self-confidence, um, People who um, are actually as good as they think they are and people who have self-confidence who aren't as good as they think they are. But they project that sense of self-confidence enough that they're able to BS their way through things. Um, And of course, like I said before, people who are able to cash the checks that their mouth is writing. Um, And I've done a lot with that, but what really boosted my self-esteem was when I started game mastering um especially whenever i started game mastering outside of an actual you know adventure path or written adventure where i was making up the stories i went along because i found i had a natural talent for that kind of storytelling that i could on the fly think of a um something that the character was doing and give them a challenge based on that find something that they were doing that was going to cause them trouble and bring up what the trouble was. 
find a situation where they were finding a particular story too easy and introduce a conflict that was going to make increase the level of difficulty without seeming like I was just throwing something at them to make it more difficult. It was mm-hmm. or it's something that's an organic evolution of the story based on what they're doing. And that's a huge ego boost whenever you're whenever you realize you're able to sit down and tell a story and get people engaged with it for like a year or two at a time. Okay. That makes sense because you're 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 basically you're in a control position and you're being honored for that control. Right. What about you, Susie and Ginger? Is are there are there games that you go to that you feel like are self esteem building games? My favorite is worker placement. I don't know why, but I grok that more so than than other games, mm-hmm. and I enjoy it and and it does make me feel better that I've won the game, but it's not a. I don't always win the game, but at the same time, I feel... I was going to say, I like that the go-to is that I've won the game. (laughs) It's worker placement. Ginger's got this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, honestly, I know why she does it. The cause and effect for for some games, like the cause and effect for Teach You is not clear sometimes. If I do this, I didn't know that was going to happen. But in a worker placement game... If I go here, I'll get these goods, and I have those goods, and then next turn I can go get these goods, and then I can build this. Yeah, there's a logic tree that goes on that's a little more obvious than in other games, probably. And Ginger has a natural knack for following that logic tree. She, She does work in payments processing, and she does have to fix other people's problems, and she has a natural knack of following what she thinks they did and figuring out the root cause of the problem and then figuring out how to fix it all on her own. Um, And that's what she does for her job is find patterns and manipulate, fix things based on finding those patterns and bringing the improper patterns into proper alignment. And that plays right into her strengths. Yep. Love to find the the weak, the weak link. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Do the research. I think my biggest esteem boosts are kind of twofold. I get an esteem boost when I'm teaching a game. Okay. And and I teach it well. Like I I I can see that people are understanding and and getting, you know, getting interested and getting excited about the game. And you know, and I and I everything works smoothly and and either i'll i if some and really the times that i lose the game when i'm teaching it is is makes me kind of happy because i'm like okay all right you know i taught it well enough and and they got it quick enough to to pick it up and and go and that's awesome so that's the first self-esteem builder i think the other one is when i manage to understand a game like right off the bat like within the first Getting the, um, you know, listening to the explanation of the game and then in the first round. And there are some games that I just get, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I just and I'm like, oh, OK, I know exactly what to do. And when that happens, I have to say that I, I do get a self-esteem boost of woohoo, I feel accomplished. 
Yeah. You know? So those are the two instances. I mean, there there are certain games that I if I even if I don't win, I do really well at. And mm-hmm. and those games are go tos that I like to play. Um, like Wingspan. I enjoy Wingspan for that reason. I mean, I I just like the game, period. I think the the mechanics of it are fascinating. But but I got that game and I taught that game after only one play. Because you just, just really grokked it, basically. It just, it just made sense to me. And I'm like, oh, I totally understand how this works. And same thing with Terra Mystica. I mean, Terra Mystica has been one of our favorite games for a long time. And I love that game. And one of the reasons is because it just makes sense to me. And I can teach it, no problem. And I can play any of the races. And they make sense to me. And I can, I can come up with a good strategy and play well. Even if I don't win, I don't care about the winning so much as if I play well. And so, and I, I pretty much always play well at that game. So I think that's where my self-esteem comes from. You know, I think sometimes what we really need to focus on, and there are a lot of games that for, sort of focus, to, for, sort of make us focus on other people to determine whether or not we're doing well or not. But the real battle probably should be internal. Am I doing better than I did last time I played this game? Or, if this is a brand new game to me, am I doing better than the last time I was in a situation with a new game where I just didn't get it? You know, So giving ourselves credit where credit is due sounds like it's a really important step in that process. There are no particular games that I can point to. I, I like Brian's pointing to role-playing games because I can imagine that being in a position of power in that game where you're creating story and you're moving on the fly and people are respecting your movement on the fly that that can have a big impact on your ability to uh, build yourself in the game the moments that I've had self-esteem boosts in games since I can't point to any particular game I can say that it happens under certain conditions and I you alluded to this Susie the idea that uh if I grok it, if mm-hmm. I hit a moment of, I see the matrix. Yeah. You know, Hosway talks about the time that he saw the matrix within the game and he was able to make sense of a game based on that matrix. If I can see the matrix, that usually gives me a huge up, especially if everybody at the table notices that I can see the matrix. Council of Four is my example because I played it with you guys and I just kind of doop, doop, doop. I knew I understood I did it and I felt so good about it and some of that came from the external world saying wow Woody's really got this he's going to run away with this doesn't hurt me to hear that because I'm like yeah I feel it right now I'm in the zone I'm doing this um, so we can rely on we can somewhat rely on other people to, to we, we kind of rely on each other to build each other up even in the midst of competition and that's a challenge for all of us as gamers but maybe just getting back to that trying to treat yourself like am i doing better than i did before that may be really important one other thing that doesn't relate to actually the playing of games Mm -hmm. is once you get into a board game community um even if it's just you know six to ten people who get together to play games but especially if you're going to conventions a lot like local conventions if you have those the idea that when you're there someone is actually seeking you out because they want to play a game with you. Yes. The fact that you're looking at games and someone walks up to you and says, hey, 
Are you looking for a game? Hey, let's go play this. Yeah. And you feel sometimes for some people, the first time in your life, you're not only not being ignored, but you're being welcomed and at times sought out. That's an amazing turn for some people, especially for me. Yeah, it has been amazing an amazing turn for me because, uh, you know, I, I've I've talked a little bit about you know my first convention on the show before, but that was such an eye opener for me because I was so used to going into environments where um, I, I perceived myself as tolerated but not really accepted, and I got into the board game community and I felt like I was welcomed, and it may not be true for all board game groups. And I would say this to listeners, if your board game group is not that, either work to make it that or move to a new board game group. Because if you don't feel a sense of community and a sense of family in that in that gathering, I, I just don't know what purpose it's serving you except to just get you to the table to play maybe your favorite game. But if it's, it's not building you. So why should you engage in it? For me... And it sounds like for both, for everybody here on the on the podcast, for me, it, it's a build up to have that community around me, and to be part of that. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, that's how Woody and I met was through gaming. We were part we were part of the same uh, board game group, which I think at the time was Secrets Factory. It was Secrets Factory. It was yeah, Secrets that's... Factory meetup at Fuddruckers. Yep. And that's how we met, and we just kind of kept moving in the same circles after that. Yeah. And eventually Woody's like, I can tolerate this guy. He's all right. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it was the other way around. (laughs) Uh, Not even close. I can barely tolerate you. That's what I figured. Okay. (laughs) You've just played into all my weaknesses here. All right. So I think that we've given some good ideas about self-esteem and gaming. And I think there's a lot more to get into here. And, you know, like any Rolling for Change episode, we probably are going to continue to talk about these issues in the future. But I thought it was important to, you know, one of the things I've found about Rolling for Change is vulnerability is, is it's the cash cow of the show. Because if I can be vulnerable on the air and share my own challenges enough that other people can find a mirror back to their own reality that might be worth something to people. So I, I'm, I'm pleased that that is the case. So I'll continue to uh, uh, traffic my vulnerability as currency. <laughs> and we'll be sure to cash it in. <laughs> That's what I want. And the way you can cash it in, dear listener, is you can send email to gamers at rollingforchange.com. There you can you can talk to us about the topics that we're talking about. You can suggest future topics. You can talk to us about coming on the show if that's something you'd like to do. Uh, you can also talk to us more spontaneously on the Discord chat server. That's geektherapy.com forward slash Discord. There, there's kind of a lot of spontaneous talk, in-the-moment talk. Kind of gives you a chance to kind of decompress after any particular event that you've been involved in, which our podcast could be an event for you. 
just depends on how you're talking to yourself about it. Uh, and then the final way is through the Geek Therapy Forum, which is uh, forum.geektherapy.com. And the forum is a great place if you have uh, something that you really want to contribute to our discussion here. We can get deeper into the discussion of self-esteem and gaming and try to open the door a little further to understand the way these two things interact with one another. So, all of that said, you can reach us, and uh, we want you to. We want you to reach out and tell us how you're experiencing our show. So, once again, I want to say thank you to all my guests, Brian, Ginger, Susie, Thank you so much for, for playing along today. I really appreciate it. And Brandon. And Brandon. Yes, <laughs> and Brandon. Thank you. We had a ball. And to the listener, thanks so much for sticking with us. We look forward to hearing from you anytime. We're going to be, well, by the time this airs, you won't get the chance to. But we're going to be at Dice Tower Con in about a week. Um, so we'd love to play games with you there if you can get your time machine and get back there. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Keep on rolling for change. Now, chicka bow. You have been listening to Rolling for Change, a proud member of the Geek Therapy Network. Today's episode was brought to you by funding from Monopoly players like you. Thank you for your continued support. If you'd like to reach out to us, maybe you want to make a few show suggestions, or you want to send us on an all-expenses-paid flight to the Essen Game Fair, you can write us at gamers at rollingforchange.com. You can also talk to us through the Geek Therapy Discord group. This is a great place to chat and process your favorite media in a living, supportive community of fellow geeks. If you want to contribute to our discussion on self-esteem and gaming, you can comment on this episode and many more over at forum.geektherapy.com. Our Twitter handle is at rollforchange. Our theme music was provided by Rocket Scientists, and you can find their music at bandcamp.com. Thanks again for listening. Now get out there and roll for change. Yeah. Mm-hmm.